Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers and creators. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. Well, today is Monday and that means we're getting to know the people behind the stories. We talk to guests from all walks of life and unpack what makes them special. We are naturally curious, Rob. Well, that is what makes us special. Anyway, we could talk about ourselves all day, but Monday's episodes are all about our guests. Let's find out who we're talking to today. David, thank you so much for... Joining us today on the Funny Business Podcast. For those at home listening, tell us who are you and what do you do? David Swan or uh, Swanee. Um, I'm the technology editor at the Australian newspaper. Locke wanted to use the joke of, oh, we've got Dane Swan from the Collingwood Football Club, Swanee on here. And I was going to ask you about your Brownlow, and then, uh, but it was, it was a, a shit, shit joke. joke. So, so you brought just, it up, so I don't even know why you've done that. It was a shit joke. I thought I'd bring it up. Oh, make me. I'm happy to just be in character as Dane Swan for the rest of the podcast and just chat about footy and my various exploits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> might be more interesting. <laughs> no, nah, mate, we're very interested in what you're doing, mate, because we saw a post, I think it was yesterday, Um Big Elon Musk has just tweeted out your your story. You must have felt good about that. Huge. Um, yeah, I should just retire on a high, basically. This is sort of it for me, I think. Um, someone asked on LinkedIn, is this sort of the biggest distribution you've ever had for one of your stories? And I'm like, shit, probably. I mean, the national paper is is what it is, but to um, have Elon tweet out one of your stories, um, yeah, huge for me. So you guys are getting me on a good day. This is good. You mentioned off air that uh, because your the article was behind a paywall, you don't know how many people actually read it. Surely you got the number of clicks though. How many people landed on that one? Was it like through the roof? I don't know if that's confidential, but let's just say it's not. Um, it got it got probably about a thousand percent more clicks than what my average story would. Um, it was definitely in the sort of tens of thousands um, in terms of people clicking through. On a, on a typical story, I might get sort of a few thousand um, clicks and, and people sort of reading it. Um, but this did sort of, yeah, hundreds of percent more than that. So um, if he can just keep tweeting my other stories too, that would be uh, that would be great. What happens to your inbox? Does does it just get flooded? Are you just like shit? I got to turn the phone off, or are you just like fucking? I'm lapping this up, baby. I'm replying to everyone. This is my time. <laughs> in general, it's a shit show. So it's pretty much just business as usual in terms of um my email inbox is just not a good place. <laughs> it's just it's a lot. Um, so yeah, it's just pretty much same old as far as that that's concerned. How did you get into this space? How did you end up doing what you're doing? It's interesting. I went to um the Herald Sun for work experience in high school um, when I was in year nine, I think. And I work now in the same building that I did work experience sort of 15 years ago or whenever that was. So it's sort of just been pretty constant of, I think it's quite rare, but I was really clear from early in high school that this is what I wanted to do in terms of journalism, not not tech journalism specifically. Um, it could have been politics or crime or anything, sport. Um, but I sort of, it was a bit accidental of falling into the niche of, of tech journalism. It was in uni that um, we got a, an email to all the, the journalism students from a tech news website wanting a reporter. Um, and our sort of test assignment to join the team there was to um, do an iPhone review. Um, and it was really fun. I really enjoyed just like writing a thousand words about the device and, and using it and um yeah, and then they took me on and paid me um, for uni and, and took me full-time um, out of uni. And 
that was rare too, just to get a journalism job at all. Um, as I've seen him through my career, it's been a sort of shrinking industry um, and it's been really challenged the whole way through. But so to get a job out of uni was was good and, and um, I've done it ever since. That's crazy. What is it about tech? I feel like if you, you're... Free iPhones and shit, surely they're sending you all the latest stuff. So that's, that's the biggest a first bit. world problem ever where I have too much stuff like i can't, can't complain just, no one's no everyone's going what you know man you got that much stuff you got that many gifts it's a weird many... thing to complain about but literally like in the room where i'm doing this podcast from is like just piles of phones because people don't ask too they sort of just send you stuff um without checking first that it's something that you'd even want to review um it is a first world problem and the weird thing too is sometimes that like they ask for it back sometimes but you don't know in advance so like you might just get an email sort of six months later being like oh hey can we have that back actually um so my house is kind of a jb hi-fi situation just in terms of just a lot of stock um it is a good problem to have uh for sure i like that you would love that wouldn't yeah, you? yeah i just feel like how good's that retro ones would be sick like old ipod shuffles and stuff do you just yeah. want to have some old retro antiques that'll be all heaps <laughs> later that sounds gross yeah the problem is you don't know until it's too late what's going to be retro and what's just sort of old shit that's not worth anything. So it's hard to predict in advance. I should just keep everything really just on the off chance that something's going to be like ultra retro and, and rare 10 years down the track. Do you ever think like sliding doors moments where you could have gone down that politics or crime and gone, fuck, my life could have been so different if I just went the other way? A little bit. My partner's a crime journo herself and I look at what she does and I realise I could not do that at all in terms of interviews with um, victims' families and, and going to crime scenes and things like that. And I'm just in awe that she can do that. Um, it was funny when the pandemic hit and sort of working from home together, the, the tone of the conversations where mine was all about capital raises and startups and innovation and hers was all just really grim and it just like working together it made me realize how different our 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 day jobs are even though they're both journalism just the nature of what she does is so incredibly different so and i I don't think i'd be cut out for that honestly um it's just i'm gonna stick to to tech i think for sure oh we're we're with you there we try to do um for a while they were doing like a news podcast or two news podcasts and for a while it's covering the news sometimes it, it changed de- our mind about it's lots depressing. of things. Yeah, it shaped it's- like something in us, didn't it? Do you find that difficult working in this space and obviously being around with your partner still working in, in, in crime? Is it like all consuming the media? It is. And I think you really have to love it. And like if I wasn't doing this for work, I would be sort of consuming news all day, I think, like just in my life. I think you have to have a real passion for it and a thirst to know what's going on in the world around you. Otherwise, you'd just do an easier job, like you'd take an office job or do something that's less demanding because it is always on and um, switching off is really hard. Sort of being on holiday, for example, I find I'm always still checking Twitter, checking, reading the news and being plugged in. It's just like this deep thing that you have to always feel like you're, you know what's going on and you're connected to it. Um, when I get sick of that, if that ever happens, then I'll just do something that's easier and pays better. Is it is it like a competitive nature of me- media? So, like, if you're not plugged in, you're going to miss the story or... Like, Old mate's got the scoop. Fuck. Yeah, is it, yeah. Is it, is it really... I think so. The value, the scoop is the value? Yeah. it's We're so competitive and I have, like, a love-hate relationship with it because, like, 
it's just it makes it does it is like oh fuck someone scooped me on something but it makes you hungry to go and get the next one and to do a better job than they did so like it's sort of you need that and it helps because it keeps you hungry and it makes your work better um and we're all friends we're all sort of frenemies it's such a small industry like i can probably count the number of full-time tech journalists in australia on probably two hands like it's like there's just so few of us um and I hate that there's so few of us because there are so many stories that need to be told and should be told. Um, but the fact that there are so few has given me a lot of opportunities as well. Um, so it's sort of a double-edged sword. How important is building relationships then in terms of with everyone, with the whole ecosystem, with your co-workers, with the, pe- with the founders, with all the pe- with the VCs, with everyone? How important is it to always maintain a positive connection with people? Yeah, like a billion percent. It's like... That and and being able to communicate and write well are sort of the two things because getting the stories is the first part of the equation. And as I said, my inbox is a shit show. So to sort of sift through that, it's it's the relationships and recognising, oh, that's someone I trust and someone I've dealt with a lot. And so even more than sort of the subject line or the headline, it's like this story is coming from someone I have a really good relationship with and that I trust. Because there are people like there are people in the PR and comms industry that just feed me shit all the time, and and you you see right through that, and you think, well, you know, I, I can't really trust that what you're sending me is good because it's just shit all the time. Versus the ones that only contact me when they know I have, they have something good and something that's worth me doing. So um, trust and relationships comes is just everything in this game, absolutely. And um, given it is such a small industry too, like. People talk, obviously, it'd be like any industry really, but maybe it's a bit more acute here where it's so small that if something, someone does something that breaches trust or or fucks up in some way, then, you know, word spreads quickly and just, you know, people get found out. So I think trust and reputation and, and having those good relationships, I mean, I look at it as, yeah, just pretty much the most important thing. What about actual, like the story itself? Yeah, I can imagine as a journalist, as someone who writes and puts their opinions out on paper, you would have got a lot better. Do you mind going into a bit of like the actual skill of writing for people who need to do content or people yeah. businesses out there who this is the vehicle to tell their own narrative, tell their own story? What are some of the learnings that you've done or some mistakes you made early that maybe people can avoid doing? Yeah, it's funny because all my earliest stuff is like still online, which is like really cringy. Like you could go back to the stuff from like 10 years ago and it would be quote unquote like bad. Like I wouldn't be proud of it. Everyone gets better at something as they do it over time. I think the biggest thing for me and like I had to learn it by doing it, but it was just writing where I would just sit with like the word processor and just overthink it. And I think the biggest thing is people psych themselves out when they're trying to write because I think there's some like secret formula and it's not like just start writing and if it's shit, you can edit it later and, and make it better after. But it's just to like get over your sort of inner ego or fear that it's going to be bad because it might be bad, but it's like just do it and you can fix it later. I think starting is is often the hardest bit. So I've learned not to be a perfectionist and, and just start and you can fix it later. Like that. Oh, so even when you're when you're publishing stuff and you got a deadline, is there stuff that's swollen around in your brain going, fuck, do I have this paragraph? Do I not? And like it has to be done by a certain point. So fuck, it's like an album when they got a due date, yeah. I suppose, where it's like, fuck, I could always improve the song, but yeah. it has to have that end date. Yeah. And it's 
Yeah, I think there are some times where it's harder where I write, so I write every day sort of news stories and then sometimes I do magazine features and more long-form stuff. And that longer-form stuff is way harder because the news stories tend to follow a bit of a formula where it's like sort of the news is up the top, there's a few quotes in there of how people are feeling about it. Um, it's pretty straightforward and can be a bit robotic. Um, but the the features where, some, like I wrote one this week, it's not out yet. Um, it's with the Telstra CEO, Andy Penn. And it's like 4,000 words and no one's telling you how to do that. It's like, it's just up to you what you lead with, um, what you have in there. It's just like a really kind of creative process. But, you know, you can't wait for that perfect sentence. Just start it and, and fix it later. Do you ever have people come and hit you up and go, oh, I love that fucking sentence. I love the way you encapsulated uh, this story. Do you get that type of feedback? I wish they did because I, I feel like that when I do write an amazing sentence and it's sort of like that's that keeps you going, like that feeling. Like it'd be like you guys, I'm sure, like when you have some good gag on the pod and you're like, oh, yes, like that was really funny. And But I wish people would tell me like a specific sentence. You have people, people give me feedback on a story and it's a nice to be reminded of that sometimes where like you go into an office and you see someone's like framed the story that you wrote about them and stuff like that's really cool. But I wish it went down to the sentence level where they were like, that sentence was amazing because I feel that internally, but I've never had someone be like, oh, great sentence. That's so, like yeah. if you were, if you were Dane Swan and someone said, I love that kick, you know, Swanee, you kicked <laughs> yeah. that perfectly. You'd be like, fuck, I'd like that kick too. Like, so it would be, yeah, if anyone wants to like, <laughs> give tribute tribute to some of my amazing sentences i yeah really appreciate it i think honestly some of the feedback that changed the way i think about stuff was when we got some feedback from a former guest and she was like i love the way uh you scoped out my full breadth of what i'm doing and it was like fuck yeah. like that that's to to me was like fuck that's like impactful because it's like it makes me want to do that for fucking everyone now you know what i mean and that type of feedback like just sending that message like a lot of people just think it and they won't send it. But like when you yeah. do send stuff like that, it actually does make an impact. A hundred percent. And it makes you feel really like seen and that, you know, you're being appreciated and you're right. It's like a small thing. It would take someone, you know, 30 seconds out of their day, but the impact can be, can be really big. And it's a contrast too, to, um, I don't really read the comments of my own stories uh, online because they're pretty toxic most of the time. And it's not, healthy i think it's healthy to have a good um relationship and engagement with your audience i think like that's crucial obviously um but i don't delve in i don't spend time in the weeds of the comment section of my articles just because i feel like often not probably 90 percent of them are, are just negative so i try to um be mindful of who my audience are and who my my readers are because they pay the bills and keep us employed but um and I, I engage a lot on LinkedIn and social media, which for me tends to be more positive, particularly LinkedIn, where there are good, really sort of productive discussions on there. But the good productive discussions aren't happening in the comments section on the on the stories themselves. What's going on there though? Why do why do you think people do that? It's an insight into human behavior. psychology and behavior. That, like, yeah. Imagine sitting at home and just going nuts in the I, I couldn't think of having that much time in my hand to go and but there's no repercussions like people just hide behind yeah. accounts and shit it's easy for people to vent you know what i mean it's easy yeah. for people to just say fuck this is what i feel maybe a few people might like my comment and that makes me feel good you know that's like yeah. liking the sentence isn't it a little bit. it's the same and it's sort of like inserting yourself into the conversation as well and feeling like oh i have something to say i've got to say it and rather than 
you're just chatting at the pub, which would be like your normal outlet, maybe is maybe amongst your mates, you'd be like, Oh, here's my opinion on this. It's sort of you're directing it um as as part of the conversation online. So yeah, I mean it can be as I said, LinkedIn, like, you know, I'm only recently enjoying LinkedIn. I used to kind of just ignore it, but now it's probably my favorite social network to be in terms of posting my stories there and just seeing the discussion that unfolds is really cool in a way that um yeah if i tweet or um yeah i just find linkedin's the the best place for really productive discussion these days people like to flex too in the comments and 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 show their their thoughts and opinions on yeah. things because they know that they are, they're seen that's where they know? want to feel intellectual yeah but, but twitter and i like we're the same dave on the fact that like linkedin for us that's been the vehicle that helped us launch our pod it's helped us really build yeah. our network and I think it's got to do with the fact that it's your face. You know what I mean? People see that like your CV. Like if you go out there and you're trashing people publicly on that, like that's what people see. It's very different to other platforms. And I I, I agree that it's nicer, but in a different way, like you feel more comfortable sharing things. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see where things go in terms of like, I think as a journalist, I'm a bit of, I'm a bit on a pedestal in terms of like, you know, yeah. Uh, I don't know, professional journalists, I suppose, we're being paid to like communicate to a mass audience, but we've seen a rise of social media where now everyone has a voice and less people are reading newspapers these days or getting their news from quote unquote like mainstream media. So it'll be interesting to see if like, you know, my influence wanes over the journey as newspapers are less important as part of the discourse and things like that. Like right now, you know, like, um, things are good. Elon's tweeting me that, uh, yeah, it would just be interesting over time to see sort of how that unfolds over the next sort of decade or so in terms of influence of, because right now people still come to me with their stories and see it as an important way to sort of share what their milestones are and, and what's happening. And it does have a lot of influence, but, um, you know, you can feel that, that changing over time with influences and with people getting their news from elsewhere. So it'll be an interesting one to watch. I feel like the business element, though, they still want that credibility. You know, like they want that yeah. publication behind it. Like it's all well and good for people to have an audience or dickheads like us to yeah. come out of nowhere and have this thing where it's, it's But provided. the Channel 9 thing for us was huge. Yeah, like you know we, we, I mean? got, like we got a feature just... on Channel 9 early, which really helped on us. On Father's and... Day, prime time. and We, we butchered it. Haven't <laughs> been asked back since, but it's good viewing. It's really good viewing. Did it help? Did it like get yeah. sort of traffic and, and it helped? Yeah. Yeah, and I think like it, it, people coming out of the woodwork saying how much they they want that for their businesses and for what they're doing. So it's, you can definitely see the pull for for that. We chatted to um, Gabby Leibovich from Catch of the Day. One of the yeah. biggest learnings we had from that podcast was just like he's a different. Cat, he was yeah. out of control. Yeah. Like he had he brought a, his own bottle of like he was having shots and shots shit. of whiskey. Seven a.m. Like bro, oh, <laughs> and he was. Uh, why don't we do that? Oh, yeah, no, we, we should have done that. Oh. Sorry, but anyway, he said he said built um, brands in Australia are built in two ways. It's a, he was very much above the line or below the line. So this new digital paid ads, paid just push on their phones, all this in the public eye through credible print, through billboards, and I still think it's a real place where in Australia that's the credibility that people and, and businesses are really striving for, even if they have this new you're competing like, in a big, big it's almost like old there. money versus new money a little bit i don't know it's the same sort of vibe don't you think yeah i agree and i can feel the oh, desperation is a pretty hard harsh word but like sometimes when people are pitching like i can feel what it means to them what they what they think it will do and that's how sort of 
they really want this and need this in terms of they think that a story in the newspaper, like what it will enable. Um, and I try to push back on it a little bit and think that the way I think about it is more that like if what you're building is important, the media will come rather than needing the media to make your business successful. I think it's a bit of like you need to get things in the right order and, and that means like working on the core of what you're doing and focusing on that and then yeah as i said the media will come and i think sometimes the loudest voices are the ones that like it's it's hard for me because sometimes people building the coolest shit are really quiet about it because they're busy building it and they're not trying to just promote themselves so um i guess i'm saying i take that responsibility seriously in terms of the things i choose to cover and the stories i choose to tell um i don't want to just do it because someone thinks that it's going to be a game changer for them um and, and it might be like for you guys it helped and it does help and it is um you know a helpful thing to be in the press but you can't be sort of your only strategy to success because that's probably not the way right way to think about it it's like be the party like the, instead of like i remember going out and stuff and oh you got to talk you need to pick up chicks and that's all this and it's all that it's like no, just have a fucking good time, dance with your mates, and people will just come over. You become the magnet. You know what I mean? It's like, and then the focus, like you said, smart people look at that and go, well, they're focusing on their business. They don't need all this other shit for them to make it work, but it looks cool for us too to jump on board what they're doing because how fucking amazing is it, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And the other, other thing I'd say is like um, for people who like reach out to me on a human level, like a bit like you guys did where it's not like – like the story and, and stuff comes later, but like, just don't, you don't have to connect with me on a, like, here's our business pitch. And this is your headline that you're going to write for us. Just be like, Hey, I'd love to have a beer with you. I'd love to connect um, and get that relationship. And then a story might come later, but it's just a more genuine thing than trying to like spam me. And you can tell when people are pushing it or they're trying to get something out of you, aren't they? Like straight away, you're like, oh, they're pushing this. They, they, I can tell what they want. It just it sucks yeah. your energy away. It must be weird for you, though, because that's a it's a weird balance to build relationships for you. Yeah. Because you're always, you're always, yeah. like people trying to extract stuff out of you, but also yeah. still trying to be a friend. It's a weird place to build real friendship. Is it or not? I don't know. I'm yeah, gonna... fuck. No one's put it like that's something I think about quite a lot where it's like is this a real friendship like are we actual friends or um I, I don't know too. yeah because <laughs> people want like but that's probably that's probably like every relationship right where like there's always like value associated in certain ways like there are it's just it is what it is I think and I just have to sort of trust my gut a little bit of like you know this is a genuine <laughs> relationship that also has it's kind of friends with benefits a little bit, right? Where it's like, oh, we're friends. And then also I get to like do stories with you or, you know, you're feeding me. Because all my best stories come from people I'm good friends with who hear gossip about certain things and just it's like they have a trusted relationship with me. So they know I'm going to do a good story with it and that, you know, I'm a trustworthy journalist. So, um, yeah, no one's. No one's put that to me before, but fuck, it is something I think about quite a lot in terms of just those relationships have all those different facets to them and it's just something to be mindful of. I think it's just hyper speed and there's so many of them, you know, compared to the to probably the average person, you know what I mean? So you have to sift through, which you probably, you get a better bullshit detector, but I feel the same way too because it's like 
people obviously want to come on the pod and, and talk about what they're doing, but it's, yeah. you know, it's the same sort of thing when we don't, with, yeah. Now that we've cut down to one guest a week, like we did two guests a week, done over 250 guest episodes or yeah, whatever. Met lots like, of people. Yeah. It's like, we can't do all the chats and we do yeah. a lot of this content for us. This podcast has been the vehicle that's allowed us to launch our community and build our business off the back, but it's been a, we do it for nothing. You know, we do yeah. it as it's the first thing that started that people get to listen or absorb our content. We do a lot of it. And mm. it's like, and then it's like in return for them listening, they want to expect that they come on. It's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. One one shift we've done recently over the past sort of 12 months is just, um, and it's sort of been a bit of an edict from like the editors higher up is just, um, do fewer stories and do longer and, and better ones. And I think that serves us really well in terms of um, just, we have to say no a lot more than we were, but I was pumping stuff out previously to be sort of like sometimes two, three stories a day and you're just like pumping them out. And now it's like one a day or one every couple of days, but make them better, speak to more people for them. And particularly given we're like a paywalled um, publication. So, you know, the value has to be there. Um, but that's, that's, it's sort of been a really nice outcome where I can just take longer and do, do better stuff. So, you know, it sounds like you guys are doing something similar in terms of just quality over quantity a little bit. And I think that's sort of the right way to, to go. Well, I think we, we had to for us because we, we were rubbing sticks together, you know, we're, we're a couple of nobodies and, and nothing. So to, to come from that, I suppose we had to put in all the hard work and show up yeah. every day and be consistent, but I think it's a self-awareness play, like we knew for ages that we had to do video and focus more on quality, but now having that time and focusing on that, it just it's different. It's a different dimension. But hey, talking of uh, spending a bit of time on on pumping a quality piece out, you've just yeah. done the uh, the top one hundred innovators list. There's been a few uh, former guests on the show that made the yeah. made the list. Pete Siglinski, yeah, he's on there. Oh, yeah. nice. uh, but but keen just to talk through that whole experience, being involved in that. I, I feel like it must be pretty cool to be around so many interesting people doing interesting things, which I can, can imagine it would be a hard thing to um, figure out who makes the list, who makes the cut. For sure. Um, nearly died. Oh, that's probably a, it was just, it's a lot, right? It was like, fuck, like a hundred plus pages, like 104 or something like that. And I wrote a lot of them. <laughs> like, if you flip through the magazine, it's like probably about half of it um, I wrote. And we had a great team. I worked with the, vogue um team which was amazing there because it's such a beautiful mag it's like glossy the photos look incredible um i loved working with the the vogue team and then it was yeah myself and um a team of journalists at the australian um putting it together it was quite unscientific in terms of just the list itself um we had a big google um spreadsheet and just myself and and a team were populating it and talking constantly of like there's there's no like metric of like oh you've raised x money or like whatever because innovation is such a nebulous thing that's hard you can't really measure it it's sort of a really um subjective thing um which is good in that um i could use myself and the team and our advisory panel too could just use our judgment more of like who should we feature here we tried to go a little bit more like away from the Atlassians and Canvas of the world who are incredible, obviously, and have achieved a lot. But the point of this mag was to lift up and feature people that maybe hadn't had a media profile or people, ha you know, people got to read about them for the first time for a lot of them. 
Um, so it was really cool just like, as I was saying before, I guess, like people working quietly away on stuff that, that maybe don't have a huge profile, but, you know, we can really feature what they're doing. So um, it was a lot of fun. It was like three or four months. I took a huge um, break afterwards. I was just like, fuck, yeah, it was just a lot. But um, the most, probably the most rewarding thing I've done in terms of my career, in terms of we had the first one last year and this year was the second one. And just the reaction was was incredible. Um, didn't get anything from Elon, but just on link, LinkedIn, everyone else talking about it. And um, to have it out there in the world was um, after sort of, yeah, as I said, three or four months of work, to have it out there, a physical glossy thing, uh, and for people to love it like they did was, was really cool. I think it's important that you're shining a light on some of the businesses and companies and people who, who are doing some amazing stuff who, like you said, might not have had that media presence. And I feel like, that you know that means a lot to to people like that and when and it's cool that you you can showcase that and be one of the first ones the first ones to do so so it's like part of their journey as well i'm sure you've made lots of friends and stuff along your time just by seeing them go through all these different stages and you become like a that that connection becomes insane doesn't it yeah 100 percent. there's one in particular um i used to work from a co-working space in in richmond in melbourne um inspire nine and the cold tramp guys were there and there was about eight of them um sort of the co-founders and some early employees and now it's like literally thousands of staff <laughs> it's been watching them in real time over the past like decade like grow from eight to to thousands um and you know and now i do have that trusted relationship over a decade and you can't you can't fake that i think it's a really important thing where it's like you're either there or you're not um you're either i think journalists journalism is an interesting thing because you sort of the nature of it is you have to you're reporting on something from the outside like like you're a crime reporter you're reporting on the crime from the outside but i try to get as close as i can to the people building the stuff so that my stories will be better as a result um and that means having these real relationships with some of these founders that have built their companies into billion dollar businesses and you can't you can't fake that relationship. Um, you just have to put the effort in. The Aussie tech landscape has gone pretty crazy over the past decade. If you look at that graph of number of unicorns that have existed in that thing and just seeing like the curve, the growth curve that it is, what are some of the things that, um, like you mentioned, being the culture amps, but what are, what are some of the other things that you've either covered or seen grow along the way that's been crazy to look back and reflect on? They've been a big one. I think... Um, Obviously, the Canva story. I did the first ever um, story on Canva in terms of like they showed some dinner um, a year or two ago. Um, They're like they printed it out and they're like, "Oh, this is the first media we ever had," Um, and that was cool. That was like they just released. I think it was a smartphone app or an iPad app, and I said, "Oh, here's this new app that's that's out." My bar has changed a little bit in terms of like I wouldn't cover that now. Like I don't I don't do stories that are like here's a new app that exists. It's like I've lifted my bar a little bit in terms of um. So sorry for anyone listening. It's like build the app first, and then you know it might be newsworthy a little bit later on. Um, so watching them, um, I think in general, just watching Australia become relevant, like in a in a startup and technology sense, where I used to sort of travel to the US a lot for work and you just realize back then at least how far off we were and and how like people wouldn't be talking about us 
and they, they do now. So just collectively watching Australia be relevant on in the global sort of startup and, and tech conversation has been um been good. It's like going to Tassie. They live back in the nineties, you know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> fuck, how cool is this? It's like Takes you back though, you know, memory lane. You went there recently and you did say that. It is a bit, but that's why I like it. There's a bit of charm about it, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's not about That's Tassie. a pointless story or whatever. What, what, on the list, let's get back to the list. Is there any yeah. like, do you, are you allowed to have favourites? I know that you might have put the favourite number one, but someone might have been like in the 70s that you're like, I like this. Uh, well, it wasn't like ranked, right? So like they were all equal in terms of it was more just like, here's 100. Um, well, it's not like the hot, hottest 100 or whatever. It's like, this, here's our 100 and we're just featuring all of them. In general, I would say some of the ag tech ones were really cool shit that I didn't, it was a bit of like a blind spot for me of like learning all this sort of stuff about insect waste. And obviously climate change is like, you know, what what point is sort of any of these companies if our planet doesn't exist um down the track so some of these ag tech companies um just learning about them i think for me like it's really energizing to learn about new concepts and things that like quantum computing as well where it's just like sci-fi kind of shit um that Crazy. stuff was, was really fun uh, was it kevin Baum at agriweb or whatever where they were measuring like the dam levels and stuff on the farms and shit i was like what the fuck like this is crazy like yeah. so many smart people putting their smarts to like mm. good use like to actually that actually give a shit like it, it, it must be weird we talk about it all the time because there's you cover people like people pitching your stories about this company got funded and this company yeah. got funded and we're like you hear these sort of ones but it's like oh that's a real world problem like they're solving a big problem it's like or oh, nah such and such raised 10 mil for some little plug-in that does fuck all for anything yeah. that really doesn't provide much value in the scheme of things, but but it's sexy. Yeah, yeah. like let's all celebrate and clap. Hundred percent. I think like there's something just sexy about software, or maybe it's just easier to sort of report on, or it's an easier story to tell. Where it's like, yeah, like we're a cloud-based software that sort of sells itself, blah blah blah, and that's just an easier concept to get your head around compared to doing shit with insects or, or dam levels and things like that. So I think that's what I enjoyed was taking some of those things that hadn't been really reported on at all. And it still was a challenge for me to distill that into like two sentences or three sentences for the list. But it's like, you know, that was really rewarding being able to showcase some of those ones that aren't sexy, but I think they're sexy. What about the differences between physical media and digital media? So, you know, you got that that nice glossy book that's just mm. sexy as it's looking amazing versus the stuff that's looking sexy as on your iPad. What are some of the differences? It was really hard because I was an online journalist first and then print later. So it's like I almost went around the wrong way, I suppose, in terms of like I had to learn that for a story in print, it has to like fit the box. I was just used to being able to write however much I wanted and just, you know, just go for it. And now it's like you have this physical box that will only fit 500 words. So you have to be really judici judicious about what you leave in and, and what you cut. So I think print has forced me to be more thoughtful about what I what I write because, yeah, as I said, it, it's just a finite thing. Um, 
Are you sending them the shit out of everything? Like words and going, fuck, this is like three words. Surely there's one word for these three things. He uses Grammarly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Surely there's something there, isn't there, that can help you? I've got like an internal Grammarly in my brain that does it. Um, Yeah. That's what I did my communications degree for. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I I go on the thing, I think they're trying to tell me I don't use Grammarly, but I get the ad like every day. No. They must say because I'm shit at what I do. But what about the difference for you seeing your stuff online when you log in versus like, People are reading it. It's in their hands. It's sitting yeah. on the coffee tables. What means more? What? Yeah. It's still a thrill to see someone else reading print and reading your words in print. And it's still a thrill to see my face or my byline in print in a way that online it's not. Just the ephemeral and sort of digital nature of online, it's just not the same. So I'm stoked that print still exists. Um, and I'm pretty bullish, bullish that... Um, I'd give it another at least like decade because I think I think for a long time print declined in terms of circulation and things like that and everyone was saying, oh, newspapers are dead. But we're at a place now where I think that it's plateaued and yes, they don't print as many as they used to, but enough people are still buying them that it makes commercial sense. And I know they share like um, uh, printing facilities with like between competitors and things like that. So I think it's like... Uh, sustainable for i'd give it at least a decade uh in terms of print which which i'm happy about I, yeah it's, i still get a kick out of it i think it's like almost like vinyl records you know what i mean like yeah there were cds right when we were growing up it was cds i remember offspring americana conspiracy one all that shit but <laughs> oh, and yeah. then i was like fuck i'm not getting any fucking vinyl mum's like i've got purple rain on vinyl and bon jovi and shit i'm like oh that's cool what the fuck's vinyl? like where do you play it on but now i'm obsessed like i collect vinyl and i'm just like full-blown nuffy it 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 peaks and declines, doesn't it? Stuff like that. Do you feel like that's sort of what's happening with the printer? Because I'd still love a physical copy of like old it's, stuff. It's a you different know? experience reading online yeah. versus having it in your hand. Yeah. I think. It's a different thing. Uh, and I think like the mag is a really good example where it's such a special thing to me, the printed version, where scrolling through the PDF just like doesn't even come close at all. And the glossy printed thing does reflect, I think, the work we put in and like just uh, I'm really proud of it and I think the PDF is still handy to have a flick through but like it just isn't the same thing at all as this really beautiful magazine so um yeah I hope I hope it just sort of keeps going as long as I'm I'm working because um the one thing is if you fuck up you can't like fix a typo um so it does make you sort of uh like online I, I can just go in and just fix something really quickly but uh so you need to sort of triple check everything in print before it goes out because you can't fix it. Imagine the old typewriters back in the day. I always look at that and go, if they just like fuck something up, that's just annoying. Like imagine it's, it's a lot of rework, isn't it? It's a lot of rework and you're just like, no. Yeah. So you got to, I mean, it's good. It, it forces you to just, you know, be really fucking careful with everything you do, um, which is a pretty good habit to, to be in. So when's the David Swan memoir coming out, all them physical copies, you're just going to get that happening, uh, any autobiographies or anything like that? People keep telling me like everyone's got a, particularly journalists, well, they say everyone's got a book in them, right? And um, a lot of my colleagues have taken book leave in the past couple of years. It's pretty sweet. Like you you get sort of a few months off to go and um, work away on on whatever book it is that you're, you, and I'm like, shit, I need to do that. Um, I just I haven't agree. settled on what, like I've got options. I think like I was saying with Coltramp, some of those, startup stories are pretty amazing in terms of like 
Um, I know the AFR journos did like Afterpay, for example. So, you know, you could do something like that where you cover, um, you know, the growth of one of those startups from two people into into 20,000 or whatever. And um, so I've got, I'll definitely have a book in me. It wouldn't be a memoir. I think my life's been too stable and um, not enough drama, to be honest. <laughs> um, but in terms of telling someone else's drama in, in book form, um, I'd love to. I love that. Yeah, because I, I I've read a lot of uh, autobiographies and stuff and when they write it with someone else and it's just, you can tell like to get that insight, it's like the fly on the wall type of thing. Like we had Attic Ponyer on and he does a lot of uh, content with basketball and they feel comfortable with him because he's a former basketball, semi-pro, pro, whatever, but he's in. he knows what the locker room's like. He knows when to butt in and when to say, oh, can we get more out of this and stuff like that and when to just hold it, which I'm sure you'd develop them same skills, yeah? Definitely. I remember at the start of my career, I'd go in with like my 10 questions that um, I would ask. Um, might have been like you guys when you started, I don't know, where you you almost learn over time the art of having a better conversation, which is more free-flowing and just more people like rather than your 10 set questions, you, you learn that you get better outcomes when you just have a chat. And so I... I it's not that I prepare less. I still prepare the same, but it's just like I'm not going in with my 10 preconceived questions. I've still done my research, but I'm more open to the conversation going where it goes and letting people share more and, and you get a better story as a result. You says you cringe when you go back 10 years and see what your early stuff was. You should see when we do our first few pods, they're like embarrassing. And the worst part is everyone's, if you've come along, you can see the our that's, first. That's why it's good though, because people need people need to see where you start. We cut okay. out all the, it was no flat lock kind of out. We had 10 questions. It, the first pod only went for like 12 minutes. You yeah, know, we burnt was, the first guess. I feel so bad for it. was your friend. He come on, he agreed to come on. And Nick, Nick, we might as well give him a shout out. Yeah, Nick throw him out as a bus again. Just don't give him the mention. I know, he's, he's, he's doing great things at, uh, at Accenture. And, and, but, and <laughs> Art of, it's the art of listening though isn't it and it's like if yeah. someone reveals something about themselves they clearly want to talk about it like if they yeah. mention something that is just like oh they've mentioned music twice like what are your favorite bands like that's clearly what they want to talk about like it's ma- it's making it interesting for them too you know rather than just yeah. like especially people who get interviewed all the time they'll be yeah. like oh here's the same shit fucking oh yeah we raised this and stuff it's like boring you know well and that's uh, i try to never do email interviews either because you, when you get an emailed response to any question it's just either it's gone through the pr or comms person or it's just a really sort of filtered re- response whereas obviously on the phone or um, in person it's just always a, a better outcome um so i always try to do interviews um either in person or over the phone or, or zoom but because email is just never any good it's a pretty interesting time in the tech world at the moment. There's been some um, a lot of layoffs, redundancies, people scaling back, investment, all that sort of stuff. Mm. What are your thoughts on state of play and, and where do you see it going? Yeah, I found like the tone of my stories has changed a lot um, where the last couple of years have been obviously such a boom time and it's been amazing to tell all these, particularly amid the pandemic when everything was so shit. Um, it was nice to have some sort of good news where it was like, Tech, tech as a sector um, did really well, a lot of capital flowing in, a lot of um, hiring and new startups starting. And it was just like it, all, my, all my stories were good news stories. And now I'm finding that, um, you know, as journalists, we sort of just cover whatever is in front of us. We don't have, I think it's a misconception sometimes where people think like I'm a cheerleader or that, you know, and it's like we just cover, we're not, we don't swing one way or the other. It's like we just, well, the good ones, 
don't anyway. We just cover what's in front of us and try to be as close to the truth as possible. Um, but the last few months have been um, rough, obviously, and every second story I'm doing is sort of layoffs or, um, you know, valuations are down and things like that. Um, it feels to me just it's not – I don't overthink it in terms of it's just a reflection of, like, the macroeconomic conditions and it's not that these are – bad businesses or that the VCs have made like bad bets or anything like that. Um, it's just the conditions that these businesses are, are in has meant that, you know, money is harder to come by and, and valuations are challenged. Um, I think that's where the relationships bit comes into it, where it's someone flicking me an email saying, Hey, here's the all staff email that we sent out this morning, um, laying off 17% uh, of our staff. And that's someone trusting me to not, tell it in a sensationalist clickbaity way it's just i'm going to be fair about it um so the relationships uh okay um but it definitely feels like the next year or so it's going to be this way for the next sort of 12 months or so that's sort of what i'm hearing and what i'm feeling um and it's my job to still reflect that but in a fair and sensitive way rather than a sensationalist way um so my role my role is the same in terms of just reflecting what's happening. Um, it's just the tone is definitely uh, definitely shifted. Do you try and like, I know with like mainstream media, they'll have all these, all the news and what's going on in the world and then they'll show like new kittens and stuff. Do you do you search for like positives in, in some sense where you go, fuck, it can't be all, dude, there has to be a bit of optimism in some fucking story that we got. Yeah, I don't, I don't search for it, but I, I, as I said, I try to accurately reflect whatever's happening and then if if that's good news, then it's good news, right? Like I, um, you know, I'm open to that just as much as I'm open to a layoff story. Yeah. So like um, if you've got cool shit that deserves a story and should be out there, then I'm open to that in, in as much as I'm open to anything else. So, yeah, I just sort of play whatever's in front of me. Um, I think, yeah, it's things like the innovators mag for example it is still important to celebrate innovation and it's still important to celebrate the wins and the cool shit um because it's not all doom and gloom there is still amazing stuff happening and there are still companies being formed and some companies are still hiring um so it's important to reflect that as well our sponsor of the show heaps normal question we ask all our guests is what's your version of heaps normal what's the thing you turn to when you're looking to get some energy back in your life I had um, like the week after the um, magazine came out, um, I took three days to a uh, cabin in the woods, just went device free. Um, I read books. Um, that felt pretty heaps to me in terms of just, um, I think, as I said, like our, as journalists, we're, we're inherently like plugged in and switched on and need to know what's going on and to just really deliberately switch that off felt incredible um so being in a cabin in the woods with some whiskeys um that was pretty i mean you know is that bad for the sponsor if i'm promoting alcohol as well i don't know no, but it's, nah. it's your normal, bit of wolf mate. creek style mate you know what i mean you've got the cabin just going hunting just hey, fucking dexter yeah, but, yeah. but how is it i find it like i have a background in recruitment i found it really hard to switch off at night you know and like because you yeah. have to be responsive and if something happens if you get an email and it's 10 o'clock and I'm watching a movie or something like, fuck, I've got to get on this or something like that. Did you have to set like harsh boundaries or did you have to learn the hard way around? Fuck, I am nonstop. Like I'm checking my phone in the fucking shower. What's going on? You know? 
uh, it's hard because you have to and you're not, you're not talking about in the woods, right? You're talking about in like real yeah, life. yeah. In, in yeah, when yeah. your busy life, the hyper busy life, yeah. Pre woods, pre woods, pre woods, pre kill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I um, I think I've, I'm at peace with the fact that I have to have a at least a low level of being always on all the time, and because I've had news stories, not often, but there's been stuff where something will break at like nine p.m. and it's like, and I'll be out to dinner. And I have to like drop everything and go home and ride it. And it's like that happens. And I have to be, it's like part of my, part of the job really is like you have to always be on a little bit because something might be big enough that you have to sort of just drop everything and cover it. So it's like, I'm just sort of at peace with that. Um, yeah. Oh, because that could be a good one too. Even if you don't have a story, but you're at some event and you're like, fuck, I just want to go home. You could just say, look, I've got a believable excuse that I can just go back I've got, and, uh, I've got a big my, story to write. my emails. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like breaking news. Like I'm really bored and have to go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about some of the books? You mentioned you're in in the woods reading some books. What are, what are some recommendations, uh, podcasts, yeah. TV shows, all that sort of good stuff? Yeah. I read um, The Road um, when I was in the cabin in the, the woods. Don't read that in the cabin in the woods. It's like apocalyptic. It's, it's a great book, but like just not when you're on your own, like at midnight. It's like <laughs> scary. Um, I think in general with podcasts at least, I try to like listen to the dumbest shit. And same goes to my viewing habits as well, actually, um, where – my day is so um, go, go, go and, and, you know, so connected to the tech and business worlds where then when I sort of five o'clock hits and switch off or try to, it's like old Simpsons episodes, bad reality shows, um, basketball podcasts. So like my my media diet during the day is all tech and business and then after hours it's just like whatever the dumbest shit is just to be able to try and like switch off. Oh, I love that. I'm what? You're speaking our language. 100%. I just think that I've been telling everyone, the smarter you are, the dumber stuff you like. You know what I mean? So I'm like, that's my excuse for saying I like all that stuff too because I, I didn't think I'd like like Love Island and shit. But then I, you get you get fucking hooked. You're like, who's this guy? I would never do that in my life. You know what I mean? And it's like, how fucking crazy is this? And that's why I, that's why I started the first season of watch this season. Yeah. I was like, I'm so happy that I'm just switching off and this is dumb as fuck. I can't believe they're on yeah. the TV doing this and I'm watching it. How good's life? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. 100%. That's like, yeah, I'm glad I found some boys after my own heart. Um, just sometimes you just need the dumbest fucking thing and it works and then it works and then next day you can go back to business life. But um, sometimes, yeah, just after hours, you just need that. Absolutely. You can't learn all the time and you can't absorb all that yeah. stuff in there. Like I've, I've, for a while there, I remember maybe like four years ago. Infobesity, I think. I, I think was just like, I was yeah. cramming pods. It was always like, hey, how can I like listen to more stuff or like consume an audible or like I need to learn stuff. I need to know. 1.25 speed. Yeah, I want to like get it all in there. Yeah, now, now it's like I honestly want it to leave me alone. I want to look at the grass. I'll yeah, watch the grass. Leave bro. me alone because I don't, I can't take any more in. And you don't want to burn out too. Like I think having those three days in the woods like was so necessary and I was feeling burnt out before that and being like fuck like because it's just such an intense um line of work um but I think you know you're going to be a better worker if when you're you know and you're not in your after hours you're chilling out and relax it's like it's necessary you need it and it'll 
prolong and make you a better um, worker at whatever that nine to five is for sure. Were you, did you go like full hunter gatherer? Like what are we talking about out in the woods? Are you like fire? It was pretty. How disconnected are we talking? I, you still have I did make or not? I made a fire, but I had um like those fire lighters. Does that count? Yeah, like, bro, that counts. Case. I was in ta- when I was in Tassie, I had the fire lighters, and I was like, I'm full caveman. I was taking photos. <laughs> I was like, how impressive. Uh, the one like I had to sort of um explain to my partner like oh, I'm going away for three days. Um, she's like, oh, you're not taking me with you, and uh, <laughs> it was hard having that conversation in terms of uh, I was just said, look, a couple's retreat is just like a different thing, and I would love to go with you, and we'll go next time, and I will. Now that I've said that on the pod, it's like. I'm obligated and I would love to. Uh, we'll go next time as a couple, but there's a lot to be said for being on your own and just having no one else. Um, and it's nothing about her at all. Uh, it's just sometimes you need that that alone time. Um, didn't hunt anything, didn't gather anything, just came with my like supermarket food um, and, and ate that. But um, I did make a fire, which was cool. Um, and I did journal a little bit. Um, and it just helped me get a bit of perspective on, as I said, I was feeling a bit burnt out, um, but just to, to have that alone time and to journal a little bit made me feel really energized. So, um, it was good shit. Is it, it's about zooming out. Yeah. And like seeing yourself and going, fuck, what is actually going on? Because your life would be so fucking chaotic. Like I'm sure there's routines and stuff, but it's like, it doesn't feel like you got a second or a minute. So you you have to recalibrate. Otherwise you're like. What the fuck for? What, why? Yeah. Why am I even doing it's like this? Like it restarted the computer yeah. down again. Yeah, yeah, shit. That that's a good metaphor, uh, and that's exactly what it, it felt like, um, and it it worked. Which is who's cool. your favorite basketball player? Uh, Joel Embiid. Yeah, the process. Why do you <laughs> like him so much? I trust the process, man. I um, I think I got into the NBA through Ben Simmons and um him and so I'm a Philly man. Um, but Joel just seems to dominate that goes about it in a way with like a real good sense of humor. Like he's such a character. Um, so, uh, you know, really strong meme game, um, great Twitter game and great on-court game too. Which is what, cool. is, what about Philly burning Ben Simmons, the fans burning his jersey in the streets? That was crazy. Yeah. Look, I can't say. I mean, I've got three Ben Simmons jerseys myself. I haven't burned them, but let's just say I haven't worn them um, since he uh, left the team. So, um, look, I'm grateful to him for, like, getting me into basketball, which was cool. Like, I'm pretty – I've got the league pass. Like, I'm I'm all in. Like, I'm sometimes waking up at, like, 4 or 5 a.m. for the games and shit. So, like, I'm grateful, grateful to him for getting me uh, into NBA. But, uh, you know – Best of luck to him uh, at the Nets. I've seen some photos of James Harden though this summer, and he's he's put in the work. He's lost a bit of weight, and I've seen it's his birthday last week. Yeah, and he's did got, you wish him happy birthday? No, no, no he's there's a big there's a meme going around mm. of him. He had the big birthday cake, and he, he's in, obviously on a big he got private yacht party, <laughs> yeah. and he threw the cake over the things. No cake. He's he's, he's, he's in trainer mode, so they're a big chance. I don't want to get too excited because they've disappointed me at every step like the last couple of years since I've been a fan. They fill you with hope and then they just get like bundled out in the second round of the playoffs. So um, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But a bit like the Swannies in terms of the AFL, um, quietly excited without trying to get ahead of myself. Yeah. 
Oh, mate. Well, it's a big game tonight. Uh, we'll know, obviously, when this podcast comes out, we'll know the result. But I reckon you're a big chance against the Ds. Uh, don't do that because I do too. Uh, and I commonly cite the 2012 grand final as the best day of my life um, when the Swans uh, overcame Hawthorne. Um, spent 800 bucks on a ticket um, on Gumtree, just went on my own and had like the best fucking day. Uh, so all I'll say is I did earlier this year pay $100 for the Premiership Club for uh, so I can buy a grand final, grand final tickets. And I'd heard from um, Josh Kennedy's, this is like three or four years ago, Josh Kennedy's trainer had said 2022 was like the year that they're building towards in terms of the, and that was like four years ago in terms of like the youth sort of having a few more years and all coming together. And you've so, got the inside um, scoop. You're a band who gets the scoop. Oh, so this is... So you're looking at Ollie Florent tearing it up, Rowbottom coming through. You love it. all Sydney coming together. Too. The Lizard being the he's Lizard. So, he's so good, bro. And even yeah. Rampy. I look at someone like Rampy, just cool, calm, collected, just knows what knows what's up. Fuck. Yeah. We should have done the, the um, Dane Swan thing and just made this a footy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. Fuck. We were like, fuck, we, this started off as a business podcast. And then on Wednesdays, we started going through the tips. And then it became a bit of an AFL thing because we just loved talking about it. But covering some conspiracies for a while. Yeah. Talking Jeffrey Epstein and that. We just like, it started yeah. as business. But we, again, we, we think the same thing. <laughs> People don't want serious all the time. So we give them serious and we mix in some fun stuff. So Good. thanks again for. Jumping on and letting us pick your brain. I reckon this is the Unreal Chat. Loved it. Go Swannies. Yeah, go Swannies. That's it. This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast.